Hi, I'm David Zichterman, the pastor of Emden CRC, and today I'll be looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, and Lord's Day 45 from the Heidelberg Catechism. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13 say, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of, your, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then uh, from Lord's Day 45 from the Heidelberg Catechism. Why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking God for them. What is the kind of prayer that pleases God and that he listens to? First, we must pray from the heart to no one other than the one true God revealed to us in his word, asking for everything God has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what God promised us in his word. What did God command us to pray for? Everything we need spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. And what is this prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours forever. Amen. I've always found this Lord's Day to be the most intimidating out of all the Lord's Days in the Catechism. 
instead of making prayer seem like a great opportunity to commune with God, these questions and answers make prayer sound like a complicated puzzle that requires aligning our heart, attitude, and thoughts in just the right way in order to get God to hear us. When question and answer 116 states that God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, I often feel defeated from the outset. I'm left wondering, am I disqualified from these gifts because I don't seek them earnestly enough? And how do I know if my efforts are earnest enough? When question and answer 117 then lists the three ways we must pray so that God will listen to us, more questions come to me. What if I can't remember the three ways that please God? Or what if I can only fulfill one or two of the ways on any given day? Will God then be displeased with my efforts and not listen to me? By that point, I don't even feel like praying. Prayer can be a difficult thing. Sometimes it can be hard to know what it accomplishes. Many of us find it difficult to do with any consistency. The problem of prayer is described humorously by Mark Twain and Huckleberry Finn. In this passage, Huck reflects on his lesson in prayer that he learned from Miss Watson, his teacher and caregiver. Miss Watson, she took me in the closet and prayed, but nothing come of it. She told me to pray every day, and whatever I asked for, I could get it. But it weren't so. I tried it. Once I got a fish line, but no hooks. It weren't any good to me without hooks. I tried for the hooks three or four times, but somehow I couldn't make it work. By and by, one day, I asked Miss Watson to try for me, but she said I was a fool. She never told me why, and I couldn't make it out no way. I sat down one time back in the woods and had a long think about it. I says to myself, if a body can get anything they pray for, why don't Deacon Wynn get back the money he lost on pork? Why can't the widow get her silver snuff box that was stolen? Why can't Miss Watson fat up? No, I says to myself, there ain't nothing in it. Now we might be tempted to think that way about prayer as well, that there ain't nothing in it or to be discouraged by it, or even intimidated by it. But I think the actions and the words of Jesus gives, give us reason to reconsider. The Gospel of Luke constantly tells us about Jesus' prayer life. During the time when his teaching and miracles attracted large crowds, he would often go off to some deserted place and pray. Before he chose his 12 disciples, he spent a night in prayer. On multiple occasions, his disciples found Jesus alone praying. Well, now it happened again that Jesus was praying in a certain place. Having watched Jesus pray for months, maybe a few years, the disciples were drawn in by his example. Finally, when he finished, one of his disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So Jesus gave them a prayer. This prayer captures the essential needs of a person. The essential needs of a person center, center around the greatest commandments. The greatest commandment is that we are to love God. The second greatest is that we are to love our neighbor. Loving God and loving our neighbor summarize our greatest needs. 
Our hearts will not find rest until it finds rest in God alone. And our hearts cannot rest in God alone unless we love and care for our neighbor. The Lord's Prayer addresses those needs. It helps us to love God and our neighbor. The prayer can be divided up into two parts. The first part deals with our relationship with God. The second part deals with our relations with others. I'm going to briefly go through the Lord's Prayer now, but over the next several weeks, I'll go through the Lord's Prayer more slowly, a Lord's Day at a time. The prayer begins with Father, to remind us that the God who created and governs this world is also our gracious Father through Christ. As the Heidelberg Catechism puts it in question and answer 26, God will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends upon me in this sad world. God is able to do this because he is Almighty God, and desires to do this because he is a faithful Father. This opening is followed by, Hallowed be your name. In praying this, we request that God would make known to us his character. It is a prayer for God to help us to know him, to know his reputation as he has revealed himself in his word. And hallowed be your name also gets us thinking about and considering the reputation of God's name before our own, putting his interests before ourselves. By saying, hallowed be your name, we are declaring that God is holy and pure and that this matters that we are willing to trust God and put his reputation before our own. Next, we pray, your kingdom come. This request reminds us that we are pilgrims like Abraham who long for a better country, a heavenly one. We look forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By praying, your kingdom come, we are asking God to help us seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. We also pray that this kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, reminding us that while we are pilgrims, we are pilgrims who wait and long for the return of Jesus as triumphant king, when he will set all things right, judge evil, condemn the wicked, and renew the earth. This concludes the first part of the prayer. It shapes our heart. It molds us to see God as good and trustworthy and capable of changing our lives by the coming of his kingdom. It teaches us to love our God. The second part of the prayer teaches us to love our neighbors. The prayer continues, Give us each day our daily bread. That is, give us today what we need to survive. Give us enough for today. We will pray for what we need for tomorrow, tomorrow. When we pray this, we acknowledge that all that we receive comes from God's hand. He is the author of our every good. This realization enables us to give to others from what we have, for what we have does not belong to us, but has been given to us from above. This request reminds us we are to give and be generous as God has been generous with us. Next we say, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. In this phrase, we are taught the determination necessary to forgive those who hurt us. We do not say, help us to forgive, but rather, we forgive those who sin against us. That is, we do now try and attempt to forgive those who have hurt us. Notice also that the request for forgiveness comes after the request for daily bread. Just as we need daily bread, so surely do we need daily forgiveness. So surely do we need to forgive our neighbors. 
and lead us not into temptation. The temptations we face affect not ourselves alone. The temptation to steal, be envious, lust, and hate directly impact our neighbor. Lead us not into temptation is a request that God would protect us from wrongdoing, to spare not only ourselves, but also our neighbor from the harm we are capable of doing to them. The second half of this prayer teaches our hearts to be generous, to forgive, and to seek God's protection lest we harm our neighbor. These requests help us to love our neighbor. This prayer then helps us to love God and our neighbor. This prayer teaches us to focus on what we need. It turns us into the kind of people God wants us to become. Yet there are some things we learn about through books and sermons, and there are other things we learn by doing. Prayer falls into the second category. The more you do it, the more meaningful it becomes. And to encourage his disciples to actually pray, to say this prayer from the heart, Jesus then told them this parable taken from the message translation. Then Jesus said, imagine what would happen if you went to a friend in the middle of the night and said, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. An old friend traveling through just showed up and I don't have a thing on hand. The friend answers from his bed, don't bother me. The door is locked. My children are all down for the night. I can't get up to give you anything. But let me tell you, even if you won't get up because he's a friend, if you stand your ground, knocking and waking all the neighbors, he'll finally get up and get you whatever you need. This parable teaches us that if our neighbor can be persuaded to give us what we need by asking them, how much more so God, who is good and generous, God will give us what we need. Yet this parable tells us something more. We grow easily anxious when our felt needs are not met. This anxiety can drive us to some desperate behaviors like begging in, like begging in this parable, and it can often produce the results we need. By knocking on a neighbor's door, we can often get our felt needs met. If that is so, then surely the same applies to our spiritual needs. If we knock on heaven's door, then God, who is rich in mercy, will also take care of our spiritual needs. But therein lies the rub. We sense felt needs quite easily. We feel anxiety when a friend is on the way to visit us, and we discover our pantry is empty. We feel discomfort when we become ill or hungry. But we sense spiritual needs much more slowly. We have trouble sensing how bad we are at loving God and loving our neighbor. C.S. Lewis explains, Everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn our thoughts to God when everything is going well with us. We have all we want is a terrible saying when all does not include God. We find God an interruption. As St. Augustine says somewhere, God wants to give us something, but cannot because our hands are full. There's nowhere for him to put it. Or as a friend of mine said, we regard God as an airman regards his parachute. It's there for emergencies, but hopes he'll never have to use it. Jesus gives us his prayer to help us become aware of our needs. The Lord's Prayer helps us notice that if we have neglected God, we do not have everything and that our hands are not full. This prayer helps us realize that we are in an emergency if we have neglected God in our lives and neglected the concerns of our neighbors. The Lord's Prayer reveals to us those very needs that we may not feel but are very real. 
And by addressing ourselves to God in prayer, we are also taught to trust, as the psalm puts it, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That is, that God can and will satisfy our spiritual needs. He will teach and equip us to love God and our neighbor. That is what Christ tries to hammer home to us through the parable and his comment on asking, seeking, and knocking. Not only can God fill our needs, but he longs to, for he knows that our hearts will remain restless until they rest in him alone, and that we cannot rest in God until we truly love our neighbor. God wants to help us love God and love our neighbor, for this is what we need. We might be tempted to think that there ain't nothing in prayer, that it's just a complicated thing. Yet by practicing prayer, we learn about prayer. What we learn is that we do have some needs, some very big needs. It is that we need to love God and love our neighbor if we are to find any decent rest for our souls. As we learn to pray according to what we actually need, and learning to pray takes a lifetime, and the Lord's Prayer is our guide in this, God promises to give us what we need. Thanks for listening.